This episode of Geared Up is brought to you by National Car Rental. Take control of your travel experience with National Car Rental's Emerald Club. Visit nationalcar.com to find out more. This episode of Geared Up is brought to you by National Car Rental. Take control of your travel experience with National Car Rental's Emerald Club. Visit nationalcar.com to find out more. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. From GeekWire.com in Seattle, I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. Hey, we've got a lot to talk about today. Andrew has in hand the brand new Apple iPad, so new that he has yet to even unbox it. No, we're gonna, still sealed. We're going to unbox it here on the show for you. We're going to be talking about the fate of the Steam machines, those third-party consoles that run games from Valve's Steam game platform. Right. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about Alexa and Google Assistant and a New York Times story that came out this past weekend that's got a lot of people buzzing. Yeah, I mean, if you're concerned, you know, privacy has been a hot button issue over the past couple of weeks, especially. Um, if you're concerned about Alexa listening to you more intently, you're going to want to stay tuned. Absolutely. So with that, Andrew, I know you've been doing a lot of traveling. Anything yeah. you want to catch us up on? Anything going on in your world? Yeah, I spent uh, last week actually shooting some commercials, which you'll see soon, for Comcast Xfinity. And uh, what was crazy there was that my wife always tells me, when we park the car, don't leave anything in plain sight. And I always say, that doesn't really happen that much. People don't really break into cars all that often and get things stolen. It happens, but the chance that's going to happen to you is very slim. So did you get smashed and grabbed? Not me, but... So we're, we're all in San Francisco for this shoot. Everybody's flying from different places. We go to dinner. We come back to the car. Window smashed. Oh, my gosh. And probably roughly $100,000 worth of camera equipment no. is gone. You're gone. Your camera equipment? Not mine. Okay, somebody Not else's. Mine. Okay, yes. wow. The, the crew. So I was just there as talent, so I wasn't using my own equipment. But... It was it was crazy. Like it was like you're just about to get in a car. And you just notice, oh, there's glass everywhere, oh and then you gosh. realize, oh no, there's nothing in they, the car. Were they just sick? What did they do? Did they file a police report? I mean, this was around midnight when we noticed that oh, this man. happened. So they were like, okay, Andrew, you get back to the hotel, and we're gonna figure this out. But yeah, they spent the night at the. Pol I mean, what do you do? Like you're in the middle of San Francisco. It's obviously gone. You file a police pr report, but really. So did did you also lose all the content that you? Or? Luckily, oh, as as professionals, <laughs> um, I mean, you might say it's an amateur move, but as professionals, there were two backups of the content already, so we don't have to reshoot anything. So were, was it in the cloud, or did they actually carry a physical, physical hard drive? Physical hard drive and uh, okay. a separate physical hard drive in a different area. So Lesson learned. I've risked that before, too, and, and it's not a good thing. Did not, you ever get broken into? I, have I never have, good. but that's a good See? cautionary tale. See? I told yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Happen. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well. So, yes. So, that was my, that was my last <laughs> week, but we're back here to talk, to talk tech news. So, let's jump in, Andrew. There was a story in the New York Times this past week. It was called, Hey, Alexa, what can you hear and what will you do with it? Okay. This is fascinating to me on a couple of different fronts. First, I've been following the patent filings of Amazon and Microsoft and Google for many years. Yes. And all, all the time there's these things that you kind of read it and you're like, that seems really outlandish. Is that ever going to happen? 
And then in recent weeks, you've, of course, had this entire Facebook scandal, yes. really, about Cambridge Analytica and Correct. what was done with the personal information of uh, you know, literally millions, millions of Facebook users to potentially influence the U.S. election. So there's this heightened attention to privacy. And this story in that context on these patent filings by Amazon and Google, I got to say, when you first read it, it's a little bit disturbing. Yeah, but I mean, the, the actual headline, Hey Alexa, what can you hear and what will you do with it? That headline is probably something that many people have wondered to themselves, right? So immediately that hits home. Absolutely. And so, makes you want to dive in. Uh, so just a couple examples. The general theme is that these patents lay out the potential for the smart speakers in our homes, which are theoretically at least just listening for a wake word, for yes, example. That's like, what they, every company says is the use. They listen ambiently, and when they hear the wake word, that's really when they kind of activate and listen actively. Absolutely. So one example, though, in the patents of the potential for this technology was the idea that Alexa would listen, and she would hear a phone call between two friends, and it could result, for example, in one receiving an <laughs> offer for the San Diego Zoo and another see seeing an ad for a Wine of the Month membership. Right. And, of course, this is also the suspicion with a lot of the Facebook ads that you get in the microphone. And yes. The, and I know that that has been debunked by uh, various podcasts out there in terms of the ad targeting from ambient noise. But the fact is, clearly these companies are thinking about this, and there is at least the potential technologically to do things like, for example, one application details how audio monitoring could help detect that a child is engaging in mischief by using speech patterns and pitch to identify a child's presence and then try to sense movement while listening for whispers or silence and even program a smart speaker to provide a verbal warning. I mean, Whoa. This is, these patents are crazy. And I guess I always look at these patents and think, never going to happen. But now you look at them and go, whoa, what if it could happen? So let me ask you this, because a lot of times these companies file patents that where the technology never really sees the light of day. And right. some people don't understand why. Why would a company create a patent like this if not... To use it. I mean, obviously, they thought of it and they took the time and money and energy to say, let's make this an official thing, at least an official patent. From what I understand about the way this process works inside technology companies, in some cases, the engineers are rewarded for the number of patents that their work results in. And so there are attorneys on staff who are basically just there to listen to the developers describe what they're doing or what they're thinking about, what they've created or what they have sort of on the drawing boards, and turn it into a patent filing. And to, in some respects, it's defensive. So on the off chance that someday Amazon wants to go this direction and suddenly consumer privacy concerns are such that this is acceptable to mm -hmm. people, they want to have protected their right to do it from an intellectual property perspective. Right. It's, it seems really wonky and legalistic, but ultimately that's what a lot of these companies do, right or, right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So with the active listening and, and, and the different examples that this article gave, what's the feeling you get about the future? It's creepy. It's creepy. And here's the thing. I look at these patent filings and I think they're a window into at least the minds of the people who yes. are creating the technology yes. that we use. Not necessarily the actions or the active projects, but 
This is what they're thinking about. And in that respect, I understand the alarm. In practical terms, I think this does feed into a little bit of a frenzy that's happening right now over the entire privacy issue. Sure. Some of it very justified. Parts of it, I think, a little bit overblown. In this case, I don't think that there's a risk short term that you're going to be targeted with an ad based on the fact that somebody saw a T-shirt or a camera, since the T-shirt on the floor and wanted to target an ad to you. Some of the examples in these patents are pretty outrageous. So what do you think about, you know, this guy, we're talking about Apple later, obviously with hardware, but what do you think about the whole Apple mindset? Like, yeah. A lot of people talk about whether you're an Apple fanboy or you hate Apple, but in the privacy realm, yep. it seems to me that if you're concerned with your privacy and data, until some other proof is shown to the opposite, Apple is the company to go with for your for your smartphone, for your computer, and for your smart speaker if you just want to use a service without your data being used, I don't want to say against you, but being used to target you in other ways than you don't wish it to be used for. This was a fascinating part of this entire Facebook issue where you saw Tim Cook go on to a TV interview, I believe, with CNBC and Recode, Mm -hmm. where he said, look, this is the price you pay for being the product yourself. If you are not paying for the service, you are yourself the product that Facebook is selling to advertisers. And I know Mark Zuckerberg objected to that entire line of reasoning. What do you think of that that objection? It's true. Well, no, I thought the objection, I I think both of them are right. I think both of them are basically uh, staking their claims on on their particular business models. The thing with Apple is you're paying a premium for that. So you're basically, as a consumer, you have to make the choice. Am I willing to, in the case of Google, for example, on the Chromebooks, play into an advertising-based model and get a much cheaper device? And I realize it's not that black and white, but certainly you are able to take advantage of the fact that Google's main business model is not selling your is not selling devices, it's getting advertising yeah. based on search. And so they want to get you in, and so they sell you cheaper devices. With Apple, you're paying a premium because they don't make money in a lot of other ways. Now, they have services and all those sorts of things that are increasingly providing extra revenue, but their business is about hardware right? and selling hardware. And so I, you're basically, I think the important thing as a consumer is to understand the difference and make your choice with knowledge. I want to know though, Andrew, how do you feel about this? Cause you are immersed in the tech even more, way more than I am actually. Yeah. I mean, you're the one who has the new iPad sitting here on the table. <laughs> are you concerned at all about the privacy issues and, and have the past two weeks changed your view at all? Yes, I am concerned. Um, I used to not be, so I used to not wow. even think about it Yeah. Um, until people started bringing it up. And then I was like, no company's going to use your data that way. Why would they do that? Very naive. Um, but then it's unique because what I do for work is basically act as a public figure yep. within the tech world. And in some cases, or in many cases, depending on who you are and your age range and how fanatic you are about different things I talk about, some people see me as a bona fide D-list celebrity, right? <laughs> so it sounds ridiculous. Quote of the week. It is ridiculous, <laughs> but 
it makes me realize, you know, there are people who right. want my home address. Hey, I'm going to be in Seattle. Can I come to your house? What? Yeah. <laughs> you watch me on YouTube and, you know, you think you have a rapport with me just because you watch me so often that what you, you think. What do you do? Come on. People on YouTube. Yeah, that's let's, great. Let's... <laughs> but when it, when it comes to people saying, you know, they want to come to my house or they want to send, you know, can I send a care package? Shit? Like the people wanting my home address or people DMing me on Twitter saying, hey, I found your home phone number. Can I call you something? Like, then it becomes to me like, okay, I have to take my privacy more seriously because more than the average person, my privacy can be, what do you call it? Like like broken into like a safe, basically. Like it can be cracked and shared around and people can do more nefarious things with it just because they disagree with what I said about the Google Pixel or something like that. You know what I mean? So you're so, saying, Andrew, that I went too far when I figured out your home phone number. Is that, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, I'm always, sorry. I'll always appreciate phone calls from you. But, but, but you know, stop with the snooping talk. Yes, yes. So, you know, when it comes to that, when I, when I think about it that way, it really did start making me appreciate what Apple offers as far as privacy policy. I feel like I know that if I give them information or if I ask a smart speaker a question, it's not building a database of who I am, who my family is, which, by the way, when you use Facebook for you know a few months – on a daily basis and just use it and put things like leave comments and like things and dislike, it really does build a very accurate profile of who you are. Absolutely. Now I will say you've seen both Apple and Microsoft use the privacy stance that they each have yeah. as a marketing tool and yeah. through the legal channels. And I think you've got to take all this with a grain of salt. Apple with the San Bernardino yeah. shooting and their stance, Microsoft with their stance against the U S justice department about the, Hotmail account overseas in Ireland, where that case went all the way to the Supreme Court with them trying to basically protect their customer data. I think right. there's a lot of grandstanding going on. Now, I do think there's a grain of truth in all of it, but mm -hmm. I, you, you have to be careful that Tim Cook was very opportunistic in terms of his criticism of Facebook and his use of that situation to make the point that you're making right here. That is true. However, he has been making that point yeah. for ever since he became CEO. That It's almost as if Steve Jobs was the innovator CEO and Tim Cook is the privacy protection. That's his thing. That's his legacy. His legacy isn't, I'm the genius mastermind. His legacy is, we want to protect our customers' data, above all else, it seems. Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating discussion. At the very least, I think you got to read the New York Times story if you have not read it. And take this with a grain of salt as well. But again, it is called, Hey Alexa, what can you hear and what will you do with it? For the record, both Apple and Google commented in the story and said, yes, we know our patents say this. No, we do not plan to do this. Okay, That's fair enough. Gist. Fair enough. We will drop the link to that article in the show notes. Absolutely. All right, you're listening to Geared Up. We will be right back with a hands-on with the brand new Apple iPad, or at least an unboxing. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
A big shout-out to National Car Rental for sponsoring this week's episode of Geared Up. Hey, Road Warriors. The latest tech puts me in the driver's seat every time I travel. Control your travel experience with National Car Rental's Emerald Club. You can bypass the counter and choose any car on the aisle, so you have more time to listen to Geared Up to find out what's going on in the world of consumer electronics and gadgets. Go national. Go like a pro. Check them out at nationalcar.com. Subject to availability and other restrictions. Requires enrollment in the complimentary Emerald Club. Welcome back to Geared Up from GeekWire.com in Seattle. I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. It is time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. A big thanks to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. Yes, go national, go like a pro. Be sure to check out my show, Technically Speaking, which you can find at NationalCar.com's Control Center or YouTube.com slash NationalCarRent. On Technically Speaking, I bring you the latest tech and gadgets geared towards business travel. So if you travel, whether it's business or personal travel, and you want the best tech to make your travel easier or more efficient, Technically Speaking is for you. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat of your travel experience, National Car Rentals Emerald Club, will keep you there. I really like Technically Speaking. I, w- I got to see a behind-the-scenes yes, recording of that. It was super impressive. Much bigger crew than we have here on Geared Up, <laughs> Yes, <Andrew. laughs> yes, yes. All right, so this week's National Car Rental Story of the Week is the new iPad. The new iPad. Which was just unveiled last week at Apple's education event. We talked a lot about the strategy uh, behind Apple unveiling this. It's about $299 for education and for education. I think $329 for the rest of us. Correct. Sixth generation, and there's not really much of a difference with this iPad. You've got an A10 processor on the inside, A10 Fusion, which is the same processor found in the iPhone 7. So very fast, quad-core. And then the other big thing is that it supports the Apple Pencil on the display. Which was previously, ooh, I love the uh, yes. genuine unboxing sound. ASMR. <laughs> previously, the Pencil was limited, if I'm not mistaken, to the iPad Pro. Yes, only the iPad Pro. So now... You can get a $329 or $299, depending on who you are, iPad that works with the Apple Pencil rather than having to spend $650 for that same luxury. The Pencil is $99. See, that's to me, that that's an interesting price point, especially if you're at the sub-$300 if you're able to get an education discount. Although it sounds like that's only for schools, and I'm sure they go through some pretty rigorous verification. I'm not sure, because there's the Apple Education Online Store, yep which I think you just need an at edu email address. So if you're a student in high school, for example. Oh, wait, look at this. So we turned on that iPad. Oh, interesting. And on my iPad Pro, which I've had for six months or so, it came up saying, set up new iPad, and just I could just tap continue, and it'll just transfer wirelessly all my settings and apps. Which is interesting because this iPad is not yet on the Wi-Fi. So this is happening somehow over Bluetooth, yes, I would over presume. Bluetooth, yes. And I've noticed that. This this is not a new experience right. for me, but it's always it's always somewhat magical it is. when it happens. It is. That's why I like the ecosystem. That's just me. Yeah. So let's but, talk but about But then you're locked in, Andrew. You're locked in. I'm locked into greatness. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So new iPad Apple obviously showed us what it could do for students, and it was interesting because, again, you talked about this all last week, but I wasn't here. They didn't really talk about the hardware yeah. until halfway in. It was all right. about the software and what the iPad can do to enable learning. Not Because the hardware, like I said, is very similar. It's a new processor, and it supports the Apple Pencil. Everything else is the same. So it's faster, Yep, and... That's pretty much it. It's got the same cameras. It's got the same display resolution, same display size, 
same first generation touch ID, same everything. Um, what do you think, though? Is this something you would buy? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I currently use in the office an iPad Mini. And in fact, it's, it's gone missing in our move. I, mm. I should point that out. But so I may end up getting one of these for the office. And at this, this price point, it's not that bad. It, it seems like the, the iPad has gone down in price over oh, the yeah, years. Absolutely. And and so you know it starts to get in the realm of something that's reasonable, uh, you know that doesn't feel like you're buying an iPhone 10. No, not at all. <laughs> Jeez, no. So I, I think it's really good, and you know in terms of the ability to use the the pencil, I think that's also a big selling point. It is interesting though you're getting into these incremental upgrades in a lot of these devices and technologies. I mean, you just said not a lot new, right? And so it's hard to get really excited about it. It, it. it almost is like it reaches the point of maturation and they start to just make subtle tweaks. And and so I don't know how you approach that. Do, do you end up buying each generation yourself, Andrew? So the change in features isn't big, right? Two different features, the processor and the Apple Pencil support. However, the Apple Pencil support, despite being just one feature, really does make it a different device it really especially if like if you if you need to take notes if you need to draw if you need to use the pencil as your tool to when they show dissecting a virtual frog in ar that kind of stuff or even ar itself because you need the a10 processor for a lot of the ar stuff so when you think of it that way it's not so much here's these two small features and that's all they add it's really Here's these two features, and here's everything those two features allow you to do here that you couldn't do before. It's about unlocking capabilities through the additional technology. Yes. So, how, so, the, so that being said, there's still this device here, the iPad Pro, right? This one costs roughly twice as much, and Apple didn't mention this one at all in their event because they really wanted to focus on the standard iPad. Some people are wondering, can you do real work on an iPad is the iPad enough to even forego carrying your laptop around with you? And that's where I think it may fall short, um, at, not from the student perspective, but for a professional perspective. The iPad Pro, even just putting it next to each other, you yeah. can see the display is much nicer. It's, it's larger, but also it's, it's a nicer display. It's laminated to the glass. This has an air gap between the glass and the display. this yep. the, it's You can like, see it. Yeah, the display is like just right there. It's much more powerful. It's got four speakers that no matter how you hold it, you've got stereo sound. This only has two speakers. Better cameras on the iPad Pro. You've got a flash on the iPad Pro. And you've got the smart connector. And this is what I thought Apple was going to put on the regular iPad because they're talking about students. So for this, you cannot use Apple's keyboard. For the original, or for, for, the, the, for the new iPad. Entry-level iPad. You can't use Apple's keyboard, and you would think, as a student, you want a keyboard. Yeah. Right? That's why Chrome, that's, it's, Chromebooks aren't just cheap. They're also the form factor, as you mentioned last time, the form factor you expect is like a laptop. Yep. Students don't want to tap on glass to do type. I'm not going to type a report on this. So you've got the smart connector. What does that allow you to do? The smart connector allows you to connect to... Got it. This keyboard. So that's only available on the iPad Pro. That's correct. So what do you do on the new iPad? You have to buy like a Bluetooth keyboard or a Belkin add-on or, you know, it's it's just not, you have to put some, put it in something. So you're basically giving something up 
for the lower price. Yes. I mean, okay. which which is always the case. Right. But I mean, it seems like a miss if you're targeting students to not have a built-in method for them to add a keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is the new iPad. It sounds like overall for the price, though, you think it's a good deal? For $329. I mean, iPads started at $500 with, what was it, 8 gigs or something like that. So, yeah, 329 or 299 if you're a student, you can't beat that. All right. Well, hey, one last story that I wanted to talk about, because I was there for the launch of these things in the video game realm. Are, are you a big user of Valve and the Steam platform for I PC use games? I Steam, but I don't game on PCs anywhere near as much as I game on a PlayStation or an Xbox or a Nintendo Switch, by now, far. Now, that is really interesting because what Valve was trying to do with the Steam machines, which we're talking about, was essentially move into the living room mm-hmm. and be a more credible competitor to Nintendo, right. Sony, and Microsoft with the Xbox, the PlayStation, and now with the Switch. These were third-party machines from a variety of different console makers, the hardware makers, and the whole idea was... PC it, makers. PC makers, yeah. right. It basically tapped into the Steam platform. What happened over the weekend was people noticed that the references to the Steam machine in the Valve hardware section on the Steam site... Just vanished. They disappeared. And this is sort of the latest piece of evidence that Valve is at least backing away from yeah. this kind of hardware approach. There are other things. They have a different device that allows you to essentially stream your game to your living Steam room Link. console. And, and so that is an alternative. Uh, you know, uh, One of our contributors, Tim Ellis, who's been on the show before, is a big fan of that. So you could see Valve supporting that instead. But it's really interesting to me in that PC games have had such a hard time cracking the living room. And it feels like this is just the latest piece of evidence. Why? Why do you think that is? I think PC gamers love the mouse. I I think, you know, obviously Valve had their Steam controller, and that actually has continued to sell well, according to reports. But there's something to be said for a mechanical keyboard and a precise mouse and the ability to play your game that way. To me, playing with a joystick on your living room couch is a different thing, and I think it's just naturally the realm of the Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo. I agree completely. Okay, so that's it. That's it. No argument at all, Andrew? No. Come on. No. (laughs) All right. So with that, be sure to check out our story on the Steam machines on GeekWire.com. Also, be sure to check out Andrew's YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Gear Live. Yes. And check out GeekWire at GeekWire.com. We've got all sorts of coverage there of all the tech news, business news, and everything you want to hear about. And don't forget... Subscribe to Geared Up yes. on Apple Podcasts. We are going to be at some point shifting Geared Up into its own dedicated feed. You can do yes. that now. You may hear it now in the broader GeekWire podcast feed. We're going to be shifting it into its own feed. So be sure to subscribe to Geared Up now so you don't miss an episode. Yes, please. All right. And once again, a big thanks to National Car Rental for sponsoring this show. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. I'm Andrew Edwards. We'll talk to you next time on Geared Up.